Worried Writer, helping you to overcome fear, self-doubt and procrastination to get the work done. I'm your host, Sarah Painter, and I'm a novelist and self-confessed worried writer. For show notes, resources and much more, please head to worriedwriter.com. And now, on with the show. Welcome to episode 47 of The Worried Writer. I'm recording this on Thursday the 20th of December, so it's very nearly the winter solstice and the longest night of the year. It's also a wee bit earlier than I usually record the podcast, as I am clearing the decks, ready for the Christmas holiday. So it'll just be a short intro today. I'm definitely in a finishing mode this week, trying to clear things before the end of 2018. And one of the jobs includes going back to the copy edits for my supernatural thriller. It's quite strange because I finished writing the book absolutely ages ago, uh, so it feels very distant, but the distance makes editing so much easier. As it's another one that I have decided to do myself, having turned down a publishing contract for it, um, I'm going to release the book in January. Since you'll be listening to this in January, I suppose I'd better say it will be out this month, Um, and it is called The Lost Girls. It's a supernatural thriller set mostly in Edinburgh, and it's a wee bit darker than my previous novels. If you are interested in my fiction, don't forget you can sign up for my Reader Club newsletter over at my fiction website, which is sarah-painter.com. I will pop a link in the show notes. As I mentioned last month, I am not going to do my goals for 2019 in this episode. Basically, I'm not ready. I need the holiday and a few days off to recharge uh, before I can give them the enthusiasm and attention that they deserve. So this episode, of course, is out on the 1st of January. So Happy New Year! My 2019 goals will go up as a blog post in the next few days, and I will talk about them in the February show. However, this episode will hopefully fire you up for a brilliant year of writing. My guest today is Adam Croft, and he is one of the most successful independently published authors in the world, with more than one million books sold to date. Adam has turned his hand to non-fiction and released a book aimed at writers called The Indie Author Mindset. It's a fabulous read, uh, very encouraging and practical, and I highly recommend it. I was so pleased to speak to Adam, and I know that this is going to be one of those interviews that I personally re-listen to whenever I need a kick of motivation. But before we get to that, a quick shout out to my lovely patrons who are supporting me via Patreon. Thank you so much for your support. It means so much to me. And hello and thank you to new patron Stephanie Kemp. I am so glad that I started the patron account this year um, and it feels like we've got a little community within a community. I also really enjoy making the audio extras which go out in the middle of every month. If you are interested in joining the insider group of podcast listeners, head to patreon.com forward slash worried writer. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash worried writer. And you can support the show for just a couple of dollars a month. 
Okay, that's it for today. I will do a longer update in the February episode. So if you have got a question that you would like me to answer on the show, do get in touch. You can email me, sarah at worriedwriter.com or find me on Twitter at Sarah R. Painter. As always, thank you for listening and once again, Happy New Year. Let's all make 2019 our best writing years yet. And now, onto the interview section of the show. With more than a million books sold to date, Adam Croft is one of the most successful independently published authors in the world, and one of the biggest selling authors of the past year. His psychological thrillers include the hugely successful Her Last Tomorrow and Tell Me I'm Wrong. And his Night and Culverhouse crime thriller series has sold more than 250,000 copies worldwide. Adam's Kebston Hardwick mystery books are being adapted as audio plays, and he has just stepped into non-fiction with the indie author mindset. Adam has been made an honorary Doctor of Arts by the University of Bedfordshire, and he runs a crime fiction podcast with fellow author Robert Dawes. Welcome to the show, Adam, and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you very much for asking me. Well, I hope I covered everything in your introduction because I can't imagine (laughs) how you'd fit anything else in. Um, Oh, yes, there's quite a lot going on. (laughs) So just to kick things off, I wondered if you could tell us a wee bit about your latest uh, psychological thriller. Um, Well, uh, at the time of recording, my latest psychological thriller is Tell Me I'm Wrong, which came out um, at the end of January 2018. Um, It was a book that I had pretty high hopes for um having done very well with her last tomorrow and and a couple of others um and it's since actually become my my biggest selling book in in in, by by the summer it overtaken her last tomorrow so yeah very very pleased with that um it's 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 got another kind of hook to it um which is what if you discovered your husband was a serial killer um and it's uh it yeah it's, it's it's a domestic noir kind of suspense psychological thriller whatever you want to phrase it as really it's been very popular so I'm, I'm very pleased with that um i'm working on my fifth psychological thriller at the moment which um by the time uh, this goes out should be released um but as always can't tell you a thing about it until then Fantastic. Um, We will get more into the mindset things later, but you just made me think um, of that kind of downside to success. Because um, her last tomorrow was such a phenomenal success, did you feel a kind of pressure to follow it up with another big success? Um, Not really. I mean, I I, I see what you mean. I I suppose I I was keen to... um, you know, match that again. I was aware that it, you know, it was quite possibly a one-off. Um, fortunately for me, it wasn't, and I, I did manage to do it again. Um, but um, for me, I've always my when I'm writing a book and when I finish it, my thing that I always ask myself is, is it better than than the last one? Mm. And if it's not, I won't put it out until it is. So I think for me, I've always had that pressure put on myself that I uh, each book needs to be better than the last one. So I didn't kind of feel that. Um, any more with you know with the book that came after her last tomorrow than I did um, with any of the others. Um, plus, I think if I remember rightly, the book that came after her last tomorrow was one of my series books. It was about book six, I think it was in in one of my series. So I didn't kind of have that pressure anyway mm. um, because I knew that, that you know there there is a slightly different genre. They're police procedural. 
uh, crime fiction rather than psychological thrillers and you know most of the people who who read that book will be people who've read the rest of the series so you know it's quite nice to to have a little bit of a, a break and go back to the series for a while mm. um i think the, i'm feeling a bit more pressure i suppose about the next one that i've got coming out um i mean it's it's september as we record this now and the book should be coming out uh, towards the end of october uh-huh. Um, and I've got very high hopes for that one because that again has got a very compelling hook. Um, it's you know it's a, it's a domestic suspense psychological thriller again, in the same way that her last tomorrow and tell me I'm wrong were. It's got you know it's got the, the same kind of hook, same kind of setup. Um, so I'm hoping that it will be <laughs> the third time um, that I'll be able to let's kind of make that kind of success out of a book um you know time will tell i might uh, might be sitting here with egg on my face by the time this comes out um but yeah i've got got high hopes for that one i'll be putting everything into it and um you know hopefully having a, a similar level of success with that one too mm, absolutely and i think as you were saying that's one of the plus sides of writing in um different you know one series and then standalones or maybe just slightly different genres is that you can um sort of refresh yourself oh, yeah. maybe mm-hmm. yeah i need to um i mean that's one of the reasons why i, I dipped into non-fiction as well and uh-huh. I, I write plays and um and i write three different very different types of books well very different they're all kind of crime related but they're three different styles of books um because you know once i've i mean when i wrote my most recent um night in culverhouse book dead and buried it took me much longer than it should have done it was near six seven months whereas once i've got a book planned it's normally a month maybe two to actually mm-hmm. get the thing written um and it was just absolute hell <laughs> i kept writing myself into holes despite the fact that i'd planned it um pretty heavily um the stuff i realized i hadn't kind of thought of at the start which i needed to i had to go back and there's a lot of procedural stuff that needed clearing up too um and it, i just got myself in a, a right mess with it and I, I managed to get it finished and you know and it, it's a it's a really good book and it's it's done very well and it's you know, the reviews are excellent but um after that i just thought i never ever want to write this series again <laughs> when i was on the last chapter i thought why don't i just set a bomb off and just kill them just, all. <laughs> yeah, just flat, flatten the police station and kill them all because <laughs> I'd never want to write one of these again. Um, that would do I, it. <laughs> yeah, um, I've kind of moderated that opinion slightly since, but not much. I'm not diving straight into another one just yet. Um, but um, yeah, I think there, there will be another one. But yeah, again, I think I'm at that stage with the series as well. I'm eight books in. The next one will be the ninth. And. I think something needs shaking up anyway, you know, whether whether it's a bomb or not. Something, I think, um, you, you get to that point in a series where you think, you know, there's only so long it can keep kind of mm. going without without something massively um, shaking things up. So, yeah, that's something I've got at the back of my mind now is that the, the next Night in Colberhouse book will have a, will have a, a, a very large series-changing event in it. Yeah, it does sound like your subconscious was definitely poking you there yeah i think oh, so <laughs> yeah but it's also kind of a relief to me that um you know here you are so many so many books written and so successful but there is still a book that will cause you trouble and i i don't mean that horribly i'm sorry that it caused you trouble no, but it, yeah, it's a they, relief that they don't all no they, they, they all cause me trouble um <laughs> i mean i you know i always thought that once i'd written more books i'd get more confident at it uh-huh. I, would, I would i would feel that i was becoming a better writer and i think i have improved as a writer and that's probably about the only thing that's that's true there um but i still get that 
you know sense of dread on release day that i think that every, every time i put a book out this is the one where i'm going to get found out this is the one where everyone's going to find out i'm a fraud um you know all of those things that all writers get at every stage in their career that they just don't change mm. um you know literally the only thing that is is changed is is, is the money that comes in from the books has, has gone up mm. um, and you know you, you spend a lot more time doing other things other than the writing you know you've got lots of different sort of interviews and, and press stuff and and various bits and bobs that come with it and that, that that's all great that's um you know that can actually help with the writing i suppose when you can you have to step away for a couple of hours and do something different like this mm. uh, you know that that can really help but um yeah the you know things like the the self-doubt and struggling with the books and getting things finished i mean i've planned and written i think something like 23 titles now and it it doesn't get easier (laughs) um even though i've got a process that i work to it's still still hard work Oh, and is is that kind of knowledge or realization that that sort of self-doubt and imposter syndrome just wasn't going away um was that realization what led you to writing um your excellent mindset book the indie author mindset uh, i think so yeah i mean what what really led me to to write it is that i, I get lots and lots of emails from authors and uh, facebook messages and, and various bits and bobs um asking for help and advice which is great and i'll, I'll always offer my help and advice if i can um because mm-hmm. when i started eight years ago that, that just wasn't there you know the kindle had only just launched it was a kdp was a a very new thing and those of us who were, who were publishing them were, were finding our feet ourselves there weren't these kind of um you know we have lots of gurus and, and people like mark dawson joanna penn who are all out there now helping people um, and offering courses and books and that just wasn't there so you know when i'm asked for help now i'll, I'll always give it because you know, I, I I wasn't able to to to, to have it, so I, I think that now that um, yeah, the industry is in a place where we can do that, I think we all should help each other. Mm. Um, and one of the things that struck me is that lots of the questions I get asked or the the problems that people come to me with all have their root in in mindset. Um, people um, sometimes have the wrong way of thinking about things, and a lot of stuff in self publishing does require um twists of logic and things that seem not to be logical but you know actually a slightly different to the way that you might view things in in other walks of life um and i think once you approach things with the right mental attitude and the right way of thinking about it everything else just kind of falls into place so a lot of the time you know i thought these people if they had gone into it with the right mindset earlier on and had that right way of thinking the questions that they're asking would actually be fairly straightforward they they wouldn't need to ask them the answer would be would be clear from from having that right frame of mind in the first place mm, oh. and also um I mean, it really is a fabulous book and I highly recommend it because it's so, it's very honest and practical, but I also found it very kind and encouraging. Um, and the other thing I wanted to say about it was that I know that um, a lot of people listening to this either are traditionally published or are aiming that way. But I think that there is a lot to be taken from your book, regardless of the way that you are aiming to publish. Um, because I love the way that you apply um, business principles to the writing life and talk about having a professional mindset. And I think that applies across the board. Um, would you mind talking a wee bit about what a professional mindset means? 
Yeah, well, I mean, I think it all applies across the board, actually, um, because, you know, people think, you know, going for a traditional deal means that they write the book and hand over and somebody else does everything else. And that's not the case anymore. Um, even if you have a traditional deal, you will still pretty much be in charge of the marketing um they, they they might do a few things um especially if you're a big name if you're a new author um there will be next to nothing and you'll have to do your own marketing um and you know that's that's the same as when you're in independent or traditional marketing so personally i would say um go indie because you're going to be doing the same amount of work but you're going to get a lot more money for it um and somebody else isn't going to be creaming off the top um but you know it's it's not for everybody so it's it's worth pointing out that you know the lines are a lot more blurred now between indie and trad and um you know as a traditionally published author you'll be um doing much more of the legwork than perhaps a lot of people expect um but yeah having that professional mindset will help with that um i think one of the questions that I tried to, to ask myself in writing that section of the book is what being professional means. And I, I turned straight to the Oxford English Dictionary, which helpfully had two definitions, um, one of which was that um, being professional means that um, it's to do with, I can't remember the exact wording, but it's the amount of money that you earn from doing it is your main paid occupation. Um, and the second definition was that it's something that you're skilled and competent at. And I think we, no, there's no, no mention of money there and there's no mention of being skilled or competent in, in the previous definition. So they, they seem to be you know, complete opposites. Um, so, you know, being a professional isn't a case of, you know, crossing a line. It's it's the attitude that you have towards it. And I thought, well, OK, if you're um, a professional um, footballer, for example, you know, yeah, you are getting paid for it, but you're turning up every day. You're doing that and your life is about that. If you're a professional, um, whatever you are, um, <laughs> secretary, even, you know, you're you're, you're turning up, you're mm -hmm. getting the job done. You're you're doing that to the exclusion of all else for eight or nine hours a day. Um, and then you go home. And I, I figured that for me is is what professional means. It means that you're you're focusing on that task. You're um, putting everything into it. You are acting professionally in, you know, in, in the sense that, that money doesn't come into it. So I think you can be a, a professional writer um, long before you, you earn a penny. And indeed, if you have that professional attitude, you're you're far more likely to earn far more money out of it in the long run. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And in, in terms of um, your own process, uh, as I mentioned in the intro, you do all the things. Um, so I would love to hear how you balance the various parts of your professional life, um, both in terms of headspace <laughs> and time management. Sort of what does your day or week typically look like? Um, I wish I had a typical day <laughs> or a week, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, yesterday was very much the classic writer's day. I had nothing during the day and nothing in the evening i had a completely empty diary which doesn't happen um and weirdly enough i've actually got the same tomorrow and i've not had a completely empty day for about six months so i spent yesterday writing mm -hmm. and i'm going to spend tomorrow writing which is going to be <laughs> lovely um today in contrast i've got um i've been spending the, the morning sorting out audio books and auditions for those and i've got um three interviews and meetings so it, it's a completely different day I'll, I'll be lucky if i manage to, to get any writing done at all mm -hmm. so there, there isn't a typical day um 
you know i'm releasing you know normally about four books a year something like that um so when i'm gearing up towards a release which is is regularly is you know every, every couple of months every two three months um you know things change completely i'm I'm doing a lot more of the marketing side of things uh, shortly after a book comes out it's it's all about uh, facebook ads and i'm spending hours a day tweaking those and spending horrendous amounts of money marketing them um at this stage i'm you know very much trying to spend the time on writing because i'm you know, getting towards the end of of my next book and trying to get that finished and, and getting the editing and, and cover and everything sorted out for that so it kind of moves in waves i suppose mm. but there's there's just not a typical day um i mean i i probably spend far more of my time doing the other stuff than i do on actually writing because um being an independently published author i'm an author and i also run the publishing company so i've got i've got everything else to do too Mm. and i don't again you you do talk about this very eloquently and usefully in the book um but I, it really hit me <laughs> because um, I've, I definitely suffer with that overwhelm. And I think that's quite common. Um, mm. And I often find that I'm learning all the time, which is great and exciting and interesting. But then I continually have this ever-growing list of things that I ought to be doing for marketing or um, or whatever. And I wondered if you've got any tips for sort of dealing with that overwhelm. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, I'm currently working on a machine that actually um, turns 24-hour days into 43-hour ones. Perfect. So that, 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 that's going to help. Um, <laughs> um, it's it, it's a difficult one. Um, mm. I think if you can, then outsourcing stuff is is vital. Um, I mean, I'm I'm very fortunate that my my wife works with me. Um, I mean, we've got a, a young son, so neither of us are getting too much done. <laughs> <laughs> and one of us that can actually work while the other one's watching him. Uh-huh. Um, but um, yeah, she kind of does the, the back office side of things and, and work on some some promotions and uh, little things. Like if a, if a reader emails me and says, oh, I've spotted a typo in one of the books, then you know she'll go in and she'll tweak that. And then it has to get re-uploaded to all of the different vendors. If that book's in a box set, then that has to be changed and redone as well. So that can be you know two hours work mm. just just tweaking a typo um and that's all the stuff that would you know take writing time away from me if i was doing that and i, I don't have enough writing time as it is mm. um so it and it, it's focusing on what's most important and writing is most important the only thing you know a lot of us are worried about marketing we're worried about promotion we should be doing this we should be doing that um there is only one thing that is guaranteed. If you've already got books out and you've already got an audience, the only thing that is guaranteed to bring you in more money and to secure your long-term future as a writer is to get more books out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the the bigger a back catalogue you have, the more money you're going to have coming in because if you're even if you're earning a few pounds a day from one or two books you've got out, if you times that by 10, um, you're going to have a lot more coming in. Mm-hmm. And you, you always get a bit of a spike as well. Every time you put a book out, you're keeping your audience happy. They're more likely to tell their friends and their family. Um, there are so many benefits to it. And that is the only, you know, any other form of marketing is, you know, is it might work, it might not. Um, and you can put so much time into it, into what what is effectively gambling. So if you can only spend your time doing one thing, I'd say spend more time writing and getting more books out. Mm, no, that's excellent advice. Um, and in terms of writing, this podcast is called The Worried Writer. So I'm afraid I'm going to ask the dreaded question. Um, do you ever suffer from a creative block or self-doubt when you're trying to write? And if so, what do you do? 
I do, yeah. I mean, writer's block is, I think, for me, um, a kind of an all-encompassing term, which it's it's not the actual problem. Writer's block isn't an actual thing that people get struck down with. It, it's it's the inability to write because of a problem. Um and that you know that can be self doubt. It can be a lack of time. It can be you know, being in the wrong headspace. It it can be anything. It can you know, quite often it's through not having planned properly and not knowing where you're going. I mean, one of the reasons I plan um, is because I'm I'm lazy. Frankly, I like to get the, the the planning done early so that when I get up in the morning and and do my writing, I can sit down. I can go right. It's chapter nine. And I've got notes there. I've got bullet points of everything that happens in chapter nine. So all I'm doing is is putting flesh on that skeleton. Mm-hmm. Um, I I enjoy planning books and I enjoy writing when I know what I'm going to write. I don't enjoy doing them both at the same time. Uh, so for me, that makes things makes things much easier. Mm. And have you always worked in that way with um, planning first? I have. Yeah. Um, I think. Before I had my first book, I've probably tried writing things in the past and just kind of gone with it and 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 see where it, where where it goes. But it it never really works out that way for me for for a few reasons. Um, I and my books tend to be on the shorter side anyway. My my full length novels are normally about fifty sixty thousand words. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I do tend to write um, in a way in which things move on quite quickly. I don't kind of um, you know, it's not guns and explosions and things like that, but in terms of, you know, character action and things actually happening, you know, the plot moves quite quickly. I don't I don't dither for hours on describing the, the colour of someone's cup of tea or, or anything like that. <laughs> or that I, don't put any, I don't put anything in that doesn't need to be there. So I think if I didn't plan and actually pace my books in the beginning, I think they would be over in about three pages. They would they'd, they'd look like most people's synopsis that they would, um, <laughs> they would hand to a publisher. So um, I, I think I need to... We'll plan out the pace. Um, I'm quite big on structure as well, um, and you know, act structure and things like that. Make sure my beginning, my middle, and my end are, are right. Um, that you know, you've got a, a sort of twist in the middle at the midpoint of the story, and and all of these things. So I think having that that structure, um, I think that's something that's very difficult to build in once you've actually got you know tens of thousands of words worth of text. I think if you can build that skeleton. Um, and then put the flesh on it. It's much easier than you know, having a, a bag of flesh and then trying to shove bones into it afterwards. Uh-huh. Well, speaking as somebody who unfortunately does work that way, I can tell you it is a real pain in the backside doing it that <laughs> way around. Yes. Um, do yeah. you have any um, sort of um, resources or books or anything that you would recommend for people who would like to learn more about structure? Um, well, I do, yeah. I mean, there's nothing that I've actually um, taken everything from. I don't you know, conform to one particular thing. I, I, I've read pretty much everything that's out there, I think, and I've um, I just kind of um, pulled things in that, that suit me <laughs> and that, that I think would work for my style. Um, I think my first book... Um, if I remember right, I'm trying to, I was looking desperate in my bookshelf to see if I've still got it. I have. Um, I think the book that I followed, the structure was loosely the Marshall Plan, um, which I've, I've not even really considered since. So I wonder if maybe that's kind of formed part of my my plan and my structures now. I don't know. Maybe that's, that's something that's still at the back of my mind. I don't think I could even describe what the Marshall Plan is. Um, but I, I think, you know, we can we can spend so much time 
thinking about structure and and looking at the theory of things um but like i say the only thing that's going to help is actually getting there and writing more books mm. i mean my my first few books are absolutely dreadful um and i think i've obviously read more and more books on structure in the last you know sort of eight years while i've been writing i've i've, I've read during that time i couldn't have read them all and then started writing i think i would have been overwhelmed with information then i think a lot of people perhaps prepare too much for stuff like that i think and people think oh let's do some facebook advertising that sounds like a good idea and the more they look into it they read up too much on it they try learning too much and it seems like a really big scary thing to do and it's not if you if you dive in and sort of learn as you're going along it seems much easier than actually trying to learn everything about something and then do it because you're you know you're trying to get mentally to expert level at something that you've never actually done mm. and, um, and that's a very difficult thing i think if you actually just crack on and do it um you know, things seem much easier than than they would otherwise Oh, that, no, that's fantastic advice. Thank you. Um, and speaking of advice for people who are a, a fair bit behind you um, on the path, um, because you're so massively successful, it's very easy for people to think, well, you know, Adam is just this overnight success. He just sprung that way, fully formed. <laughs> um, so if you wouldn't mind, I'd love to go back to the beginning and just what was it like for you right at the start and, and what gave you the confidence to choose um, indie publishing first or what were those first few books like uh well, well i wish i was an overnight success <laughs> um, it, I, I was an overnight success between my eighth and ninth books i guess because it was my my ninth one that actually took off and um and and did any more than than paying the bills um yeah at the start what, what led me towards self-publishing i guess because it was a new thing then um i it wasn't something i intended to do i wrote my first book um, which was um, a 21,000 word novella that took me two and a half years to write. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. And it's just an idea that I had and I hadn't really planned it. And I was just, um, you know, writing in my spare time and what have you. And it wasn't really a serious thing. And then I decided I was going to get it finished. I um, didn't really know what to do with it. I was reading up online about um, about different options, and the self-publishing through KDP had had just popped up. So I thought, okay, I'll um, I'll have a crack at that. And you know, all, all I wanted was for somebody that I didn't know um, to read the book and to let me know what they thought. I thought, you know, rather than sort of hawking it around publishers and and editors and what have you, um, so I put it up there and. At that time, there were very few books on there. It was a, it was a lot easier to 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 make a success out of it, I guess, and and it did pretty well. And you know, seeing sales um, on there made me made me made me think. Well, there's you know, there, there are people I don't know buying this book from all around the world. I'm getting reviews from people I don't know, and it's quite an exciting thing. Um, and it made me think of the potential that was out there, and you know and and whether i could build on that and you know perhaps make a career through that way so in a traditional publishing um world was something that i never really considered because i kind of fell into doing it myself without ever having sent anything to a publisher and and, and still haven't and you know the more and more i read into it and the, the you know the more success i had with it i just didn't see the point in in going any other way really no, that makes total sense. And again, it's a, it's a wee bit like, as you were saying earlier, that just crack on and and learn as you go. 
Um, yeah. And then you got the proof as you went, mm. um, which makes sense. Um, what would you say to somebody who is maybe paralyzed by those sort of fears that their writing isn't good enough and they will fail terribly if they put their book into the world or they, they send it to a publisher? Um, what I would say is that's not going to change. Um, I, I've written 23 books and I still get that with every single one. So um, that's not going to go away. All you can do is is suck it up and get on with it, I'm afraid. Um, it's, it's it's not going to change. You're, you're not going to get more confident as you go on. You know, perhaps in some way you might get slightly more confident in your writing, but there's always that sense of dread when you finish a book. And I don't know a writer who, who feels any differently. You know, even the biggest names, I mean, I I present um, a crime fiction podcast called Partners in Crime, and we speak to all sorts of people. We've, you know, we've interviewed Peter James, Bal McDermid, um, Tess Gerritsen, you know, some, some massive names, and they all tell us the same thing. Um, they put a new book out, and there's a massive sense of dread. And you know, some of these people have sold tens of millions of books, mm. uh, and and they still get the same the same worries and the same fears. So that won't go away. That is um part of the creative mind and if you're feeling that way then then welcome to the club you are a creative person um, <laughs> you, you you have passed the first test and um yeah there's there's nothing i can say other than it's just something you you have to live with and um and largely ignore if you can yeah no that's fantastic it's i've had exactly the same experience with running this podcast and it's massively comforting to me <laughs> to know mm. that we're all feeling the same way yeah um, and just to finish off um i will of course put all links in the show notes and i definitely once again urge everybody to go and get the indie author mindset because it is fantastic will you be writing any more non-fiction titles i will yeah no this one's been been (laughs) uh, well for a few reasons it's been very successful in the author mindset which is great um and uh, the audiobook as well has done surprisingly well audio is something that i've kind of um ignored i've plowed thousands of pounds into and and not made back audio Um, and non-fiction does really well i found it does uh it does i've um i I narrated my own audio books i think with with non-fiction i think it just sounds better if you've got the person who wrote it actually actually saying it um and it's been up there for you know, for a few days um, and I've not actually told anyone that it's been up there but it's sold dozens and dozens of copies already um, and I've just not marketed it so you know it's extraordinary I'm going to start doing that in the next few days and hopefully I'll take off even more um, so yeah commercially it makes sense for me to do so um, also um, as I was saying earlier when I'm writing things I, w- I want to write something else and I've but being towards the end of a fiction book now i'm just thinking god please let me get out of this mind and (laughs) and and write something non-fiction instead just for a a bit of a change just a bit of a palate cleanser so um there's that and also when i was writing in the author mindset i realized that i was as i because mindset is an all-encompassing thing um when i was looking at the different kind of bits that spur off of that i thought well you know we're talking about marketing here we're talking about advertising i could write an entire book on that you know i've got to stop at some point um and that was the same for probably eight nine ten different subjects that i touched on i thought i could write a whole book just about this um and i had to really kind of break it down and, and summarize things rather than just um kind of waffling on about them so yeah I think in the writing of the indie author mindset i think i jotted down eight or nine different potential other books i could have written <laughs> that came into my mind as i was writing it so uh, so yeah the, the material's there um and yeah that there there will be more coming 
Fantastic. And just to finish, where can listeners find out more about you and your books? Um, well, my fiction books uh, are adamcroft.net. Um, I'm on Twitter at adamcroft. And uh, my Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash adamcroftbooks. Brilliant. Well, I'll put all the links in the show notes, but thank you so much for your time. It's been lovely to speak to you. Thank you, Sarah. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening today. For show notes and links, head to worriedwriter.com. If you'd like to connect, find me on Twitter at Sarah R. Painter or use the hashtag worriedwriter. See you next time.